if, if you're visiting with us, I do want to let you know uh, that if we would love to connect with you. We would love to know that you are here. We'd love to be able to follow up with you. And so if you would, if you would take out your phone, if you're visiting with us, this is your first time here, or first of a couple, two or three times here, if you would grab your phone and if you would text LL, or excuse me, if you would text North Connect. Uh, to 31996. We would love to connect with you. Uh, that's our connect card, our virtual connect card there. We have some in the back if you're just a pen and paper type of person. Uh, we have one in the back. Uh, that's also a way you can communicate prayer requests if you make a decision in today's service. And so we want to direct you to that as well as to our children's content. Now, we will play a game here in a little bit, all right, for our kids. We are excited that your kids are joining us. We know we don't have child care because of all the social distancing, but we are excited that they're here. So we try to do things specifically for them. So uh, my message today, we have in kid form in a children's packet back there. So it's got a little craft. It's got a little, some things back there. So they're back on that back table right as you leave the sanctuary. So if any of you kids want to grab those, you're more than welcome to do that. But when I was, I was, I guess I was in middle school uh, when my family went down for Hurricane Katrina relief. Uh, I was, I was, had to be middle school at absolute maximum. Uh, and it was the first time that I really remember devastation on a widespread scale. Uh, I remember going in and, and seeing homes uh, and seeing water levels in homes where the entire first floor was underwater and some even going into the second floor and some of the places that we went. Uh, going with my dad, tagging along in ministry. That, I did that a lot in ministry. I'd just tag along with him. If he was going to the hospital, I'd go and make hospital visits with him. Uh, if he was going to a wedding, I'd just go to the wedding. Uh, if he was going to a funeral, I just went to the funeral. That happened quite a bit, and it does as a, as a preacher's kid. My kids do the same thing. But I remember tagging along on a mission trip down to just outside of New Orleans to do Hurricane Katrina Relief, and then we've seen that in, in, a, in a wide, even a wider scale than that. When we look at uh, what happened in Houston just recently, uh, when when that water has a devastating impact, I'll never forget uh, talking to people that were there in Katrina and and, and those that had, that had been affected by the storms in Houston, and talking to them about how quickly all of it happens and how the the we see we see news outlets covering just why widespread damage, that water just flowing everywhere has a devastating effect. But the same water that has, when it's unfocused, when it's spread out over a broad area, how it has a devastating effect, that same water, when it's focused in the right direction, does some really remarkable things. It's water that gives us power allows us to cool the, the, the nuclear plants for the, the power that, they, that we receive. Uh, water allows us to generate electricity. Water allows us uh, to have a great day on the lake. Water does all kinds of different things for us. And when it's focused in a right direction, there's an incredible purpose that it's had. But it's when it exceeds its banks, when it loses that focus, that water becomes devastating. And I believe the same can be said 
about our families. And so today we're going to look at, in this Family Matters series, we're going to look at focus. We're going to focus in on what is the most important thing in our families, as it relates to everyone, as it relates to children, as it relates to dads, as it relates to moms, everybody. What is our singular focus? Because when we get outside the banks of what God's purpose and intent is for marriage is when devastating things begin to happen. The poet William uh, Cowper said this. He said, The only bliss of paradise that has survived the fall is the family. Now think about that. Think about all that was taken away when the fall. When Adam and Eve fell, as we covered a few weeks ago, when Adam and Eve fell, all of the things that happened as a result, consequences of their sin, but the one thing that God did not remove was the marriage union between the man and the woman. He didn't remove the family. In fact, it's the only standing thing that has survived the fall. But too many homes are an outpost of hell instead of a parcel of paradise. Do our homes look like this enduring thing that God allowed beyond the fall, or does it look like something that's completely lost focus and completely gotten out of bounds? And so we're going to look at that today in Ephesians chapter 5. So if you would turn in your text of God's Word, whatever that looks like, electronic, hard copy, or otherwise to Ephesians chapter 5, and we're going to look at God's plan for focused families. Because I believe the same families that God can use for His kingdom glory to accomplish kingdom purposes, to move the kingdom of God forward, and to stand as an evangelistic tool, one of the greatest evangelistic tools in all the world, can also be the very thing that the enemy can turn to destruction. And so the first thing that we see here is the fun one, right? Ephesians chapter 5 verse 22 tells us that wives are to submit as to the Lord. Now before you throw rocks, all right, allow me some, a chance to elaborate, all right? Uh, that is, that is the, th- this is the text of Scripture, right, that, that gets so much pushback in a, uh, in a very feministic uh, society and, pe- and feminism and all the things that are happening today. That gets a, that gets a very bad rap. But the first point is wives submit as to the Lord. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22. All right, this is what it says. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Now, men, this this is the passage of Scripture that we like to rip out of the text of Scripture, the canon of Scripture, right? And we get to manipulate this text to do what? Get our wives to make us a sandwich or something else, right? Make me a sandwich, you've got to submit to me, right? We, we use it to bludgeon our significant others with, right? We, we like to misuse it. Some, we do it jokingly, but th- this is what we do. This is the text of Scripture that we always tend to come to. And here's what I would tell you. This is not a make me a sandwich verse, 
All right? This is not wives do everything that your husbands make you do. Right? That is not what is being taught in the Scripture. In fact, if you go one script, one verse above, listen to what Paul says in verse 21, that we are to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. What he is asking the wives to do is nothing that he has not asked everyone, the entire church, to do. He has said, submit to one another in reverence for Christ. Now, immediately when we talk about submission, we immediately uh, we, we push back. Why? Because people don't deserve our respect. People don't deserve for us to allow them to lead us, right? That, that becomes the pushback, right? And so, but he says here in verse 21, we hear verse 22 all the time. Wives submit, but we fail to realize that what wives are called to is what everyone in this church is called to do to one another. If we as the church spent less time bickering about our own preferences and spent more time submitting to one another and what one another desired, we would have a better church. But we don't do that. We insist on our own way, and listen, as a millennial, as, as a poster child, maybe for our generation, we are really quick to take our ball. When things aren't exactly the way we like it, we take our ball and we go home. So this is not a make-me-a-sandwich type verse. This is not men ruling over women. God is just specifically speaking in the confines of a marriage that a wife is to submit. Now, she's to submit to other other believers. That doesn't mean that she should do everything anyone asks. But she is to submit to other brethren, to other believers, to other ladies, to other sisters and brothers in the church. And in the same way, the men should seek to serve each other. This is nothing uncommon, but it's been taken out of context. Why? What is the reason for the wife's submission to their husband? Number one is the headship of the man in Christ. When we read the book of Ephesians, we understand that this is written to the church. And when a man is in Christ... When a man is walking with Christ, the man holds a standard. As we talked about last week, if the man is holding a spiritual standard in the family, there is no wife in the world that would not have a problem following under that leadership. Right? If the man is setting the standard, then the, the woman can submit and support. That's, that's legitimately, that's, that's the whole basis of what we're discussing here. It's not an idea of ruling one over another, but the idea of supporting each other in the roles that God has given us in marriage. Not better or worse, not less or more, equal but different. And so these are the roles that God has given us. Uh, the, the second thing, so the headship of the man in Christ. But number two is the lordship of Christ. What does she say? It says, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Now, we don't have a problem esteeming others better than ourselves. We don't have a problem with that 
text, right? But that's exactly what we're doing here. We're seeing the woman submitting to her husband as unto the Lord. We know that whether a brother or a sister deserves respect or deserves to be treated with love or deserves to be served, we serve them because we're not serving them. Ultimately, we're serving Christ. In your notes, this is good. A wife's submission is dependent on the goodness of God, not the goodness of her husband. A wife's submission is dependent on the goodness of God, not the goodness of her husband. Here's what happens often in, in, in our marriages. Well, he doesn't deserve my respect. He doesn't deserve my submission. He doesn't deserve for me to fall under his leadership. He doesn't deserve that. He hasn't acted in a way that I can, I want to follow that. And that's a, that's a valid statement, but here's the thing. If we are serving not because of the goodness of our spouses, but we are serving because God is good and He has lavished His goodness on us, then our submission to each other, our submission to Him, our love that we show to each other, the respect that we show one another in marriage and outside of marriage is not dependent on our performance. It's dependent on His standard and his character so a wife's submission is, is dependent on the goodness of god not the goodness of her husband because first peter 3 1 says uh, wives are to be subject to your own husband so that even if some do not obey the word they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives i believe this to be the state of a lot of families in this country that women trying to maintain a standard because the men aren't but because of the conduct of the wife that you would conduct yourself in such a way you would respect him when he's unrespectable in so doing you would show jesus to them and you would win your husband and receive the standard that you need that the family deserves that your children need right and so and so even this is this is Basic fundamental stuff. We, we balk at this all the time, but this is fundamental to who we are as a believer. To esteem another better than ourselves. To support one another more than ourselves. To look out for one another's needs over the needs of each other. And never forget this. Wives, husbands, your spouse is your closest neighbor. So anything that God requires to you to do of others, He requires it equally for your spouse. Listen to what Warren Wearsby said. This is good. He says a little bit, and he says a lot. Sometimes I say a lot, and I feel like I say a little bit. Listen to what he says. Submission has nothing to do with the order of authority, but rather governs the operation of authority. How it is given and how it is received. By nature, we want to promote ourselves, but the Holy Spirit enables us to submit ourselves. Now, we're going to get to the men in just a moment. 
But our human nature, why we balk at this is because our human nature pushes up against this. Our sin nature, our pride. If he's not going to be loving to me, I'm not going to be respectful and fall under his leadership. I'm going to be a thorn in his side. If he's going to treat me this way, I'm going to treat him that way. Listen, but what Scripture is telling us, it's, it's nature to promote ourselves, to make ourselves feel better, to retaliate. But God has called us in every relationship that we're in to seek restoration. The Holy Spirit is who enables us to submit ourselves to each other. Whether that's your spouse or whether that's a brother and sister in Christ that is particularly unlovable, He's called us to submit. The command to submit is not the problem, but the selfishness of man is. It's not the command. It's the fact that it flies in the face of what we feel. But that is the teaching of God's word. That's why Jesus would say, if you love, if he who loves the world, and not inherit the kingdom of God, right? That, that, that if you love the things of the world, then you forfeit your soul. The teaching of the world is countercurrent to the teachings of God's word. But listen what it says to the men. Number two, husbands sacrifice as to the Lord. Ephesians 5, 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Now I'll pause there for just a moment. This, this love is agape love. It's a, it's a verb construct of the word agape. All right, when we read 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter, right? We read the love chapter at all of our weddings. Love is patient, love is kind. The word that we're reading there is agape. Now, agape love is different than any of the other loves that are mentioned. There's, there's like four different word constructs for the word that we translate love in the New Testament. And so agape is actually translated in the King James as charity. It is equated one for one with sacrifice. Listen to the verse again. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Well, how did he do that? Oh, he just cared for her, he loved her, and he was sweet to her, and he, he, you know, he, he, he did what she needed, he made sure all of her needs were met. He sure did, but how did he do it? He gave himself up for her. How did God love the church? He laid down his life for the church. See, agape love is synonymous with sacrifice. It's sacrificing for the other. It's sacrificing. It's a form of submission, right? The husbands are called to love their wives. And if they're going to love their wives... Now, this may not sell Hallmark cards... But it absolutely is truth. If they are to love their wives as Christ loved the church, then they should be willing to sacrifice their own pleasure. They should be willing to sacrifice their own gain. They should be willing to sacrifice whatever is needed in order to meet the needs 
of their spouse. Why? Because they are living with a sacrificial love. Not a smoochy, smoochy, warm, fuzzy love, but a covenant commitment. I will give to you all that I have because I love you. Because before God, I have committed myself to you. Ephesians 5, 26. He goes on to say that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Husbands are to sacrifice as the Lord. Now understand, men, this is a standard that is unique to us. Women are to submit as unto the Lord. But men are called to behave in the same manner that Jesus did. They are to, they are to sacrifice for others like the Lord Jesus Christ did for us. The standard is just a little bit higher. Instead of submitting as unto the Lord, men, you sacrifice and you love, you get the ball rolling just like Jesus did for us. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and gave Himself for us. Because we can do the same thing, can we not? Well, she doesn't deserve to be loved. She doesn't meet my needs. right? She doesn't deserve my affection because of whatever the, the reason may be. But if we are loving sacrificially, By the standard that Jesus set, husbands are to love their wives as Christ. You could stop right there. Men are to love their wives as Christ. As Jesus did us. And I don't know by what standard that you're using, but I just know from my own that I am in a From the standard of holiness, I am pretty unlovable. But I am called to love Becca as Christ. She's called to submit to me as the church submits to Christ. But I am called to love like Christ. Therefore... Because, uh, for, for, uh, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his, wife's, his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. In loving each other, we see a love that is sacrificial, We see just as our love is sacrificial, it's sanctifying. What did Jesus do? His love for us. What did He do? It sanctified us. It sanctified the bride. And in the same way, our love can sanctify one another. Our commitment to each other keeps us from sin. 
Right? This is the, the point of, of marriage, right? We, we are kept from sin. I am stronger in, in who I am in Christ because of my union with my wife. We're greater than the sum of our parts. But it's also satisfying. It's satisfying. No one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church. So men, love your wife. Sacrifice are to sacrifice as unto the Lord. In your notes, the authority of the husband should be governed by God's authority over him. Men, although your wife is called to submit to you regardless of your leadership performance spiritually, I want you to understand me when I say that we can not as men expect our wives as leaders. We must have the mentality that we cannot allow our wives to submit to us any more than we are submitted to Jesus. If the man is submitted to Jesus, the family will be in harmony. If the man is submitted to Christ, not that there's not going to be trouble, not that there's not going to be problem, right? Then it's not what's promised here. But the men are called to lead the charge in this. I think it was Tony Evans that says, men get mad about how wives don't submit to them. And Tony Evans would look at him and he'd say, they're just submitting to you as much as you're submitting to Jesus. And if we thought about it that way, if we, just, if we just thought about that, if we as Christ, if we are the one that, are, that, that is pursuing this marriage, Christ pursued us, we are to love as Christ. If we are to pursue this, then I pray that my wife has never submitted to me more than I am submitted to Jesus so that I can lead her in the way, I can lead our family, I can... I can help with her, through her, with her support. We can guide our family toward a way that's going to bring glory to God. And then finally, children serve in the Lord. Children serve in the Lord. Ephesians 6, 1. And this is in those children's packets, kids. So if you got your children's packet, it's there in there on a different color sheet. It says, Ephesians 6, 1, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. So here's what we're going to do, right? Everybody knows what it means to obey. So I just want everybody that will participate to go ahead and stand to your feet. All right? Stand to your feet. We're going to do this real quick. We don't have a whole lot of kids in here, but we do have some. So this is for the kids. We want the kids to, to participate as well. I'm, I'm seeing some very reluctant uh, faces of people that are teetering from kid to teenager. Uh, <laughs> um, so here's what we're going to do, right? The, the best way that I can think of to, uh, to illustrate obedience, right, is a, is a good game, right, of what? Simon Says, that's right, that's right. We're going to play a little game of Simon Says. Y'all know how it works. If I don't say Simon Says, don't do it, all right, kids? So you're going to listen to me, you're going to obey me, you're going to do what I tell you to do, but only do it if I say Simon Says, all right? So clap your hands. 
I've already, I think Jeremiah just wanted to be out of the game. I'm not going to lie. All right, so Simon says, clap your hands, kids. Clap your hands. Simon says, stop. Simon says, pat your head. Simon says, stop. Rub your belly. Oh, I saw some belly rubbing. All right, if you rubbed your belly, Simon didn't say. All right. Simon says, hop. Okay, y'all stop, stop, stop. Oh, we got some people stopping. We got some people stopping. All right. Keep hopping. Simon says, stop. All right. Simon says, hop on one foot. Now hop on the other. Oh, we got some. Do we get some other? All right. Good deal. Y'all can have a seat. Thank y'all. Thank y'all. Who's still in? We got three in. Britt's still in. Yeah. All right. We got three. Good job. Way to, way to listen. All right. So we play that game. We play that game to illustrate. Like children are to obey their parents. And we focus on that. But listen to the words. Listen to what, Jesus, what, what Paul is saying here. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. We have to listen to these prepositions that are here. Children are to serve in the Lord. Parents, this is not just for the kids. This is what Christ has called you to. Children are to serve in the Lord. Listen to this in your notes. The gospel is the greatest tool to teach obedience. Your job as a parent is not to get your kids to do this or to do that. Your job is to get them to Jesus. And when you get your kids to Jesus, from that basis, they can do everything. They are capable then to do everything that they need to do to be obedient to you. The problem is with parents today is that they try to to fix all the symptoms of the problem. My kid's wayward. My kid's off into drugs. My kid's doing this or doing that. And listen, I believe, train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he's old, he'll not depart from it. I believe that is meant to be understood as what it is. I don't believe it is a statement of absolute, universal truth. I believe it is a teaching. I believe based on the fact that it's in Proverbs... It is a proverb. It is a word of wisdom. Now, we have it plastered all over our house, all right? It doesn't make it any less important. But there's a lot of parents that would really struggle if we taught that like it is an everlasting principle, right? Sometimes your children, you are still not your children's Holy Spirit, okay? You're still not. Your child is going to be held responsible for themselves and the decision that they made. You can't accept Jesus for them, but you can lead them there. As a parent, your job is to get your kids to Jesus. Whatever that looks like, however that's illustrated, and however that's played out in their life. And if you will get them to Jesus, it's from that basis that life change happens. But ultimately... Ultimately, all that we've covered today falls under the same criteria. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18 in closing. He tells us, do not get drunk with wine. This is speaking to the cultural context of Ephesus, that they would get drunk in order to worship their gods. He said, instead of getting drunk with wine, for this is debauchery, be filled with the Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God is the only thing that can 
truly enable us to mend love and sacrifice as Christ. It's the only thing that can cause uh, ladies to lay down their pride and to submit lovingly to their husbands. It's the only thing that can allow a children to obey. If we read that whole text and we don't get verse 18 that begins the whole thing, be filled with the Spirit. Lastly, in your notes, salvation is the basis for harmony in your home. Salvation. Salvation is the basis for harmony. We need to stop treating symptoms of our problem. We need to understand that these problems are spiritual in nature. That we need to cry out to God. We need to be in right relationship with Jesus. And from that, watch how every relationship in our families, in our, with our loved ones, in our communities, how every relationship is taken care of. Ultimately, this is a spiritual problem. Be filled with the Spirit. So if you would, bow your head and close your eyes. If you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I want to give you that opportunity today. Children are to obey in the Lord. So kids, if, you, if you're here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, we would love to talk to you about how you can do You can tap your mother and mom or dad on the shoulder and say, hey, I want to I talk to somebody about having a relationship with Jesus. But wives, husbands, instead of looking to Dr. Oz, instead of looking to Oprah, instead of looking to some book, why don't we look to Jesus? If you're here in this room, man, woman, or child, and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, none of this is possible unless there's an, it's an overflow of a relationship with Christ. And so if you're here and you want to make a decision for Christ, maybe you want to join our church, maybe you want to uh, uh, get your baptism in order, whatever it is, we have counselors in the back that would love to talk to you about that decision. If you want to make a decision for Christ today, if you would, stand to your feet. Nobody's looking around. It's not, I don't, we don't want to embarrass. We don't want to point out anybody. Just stand to your feet. And we want, we want you to... Step out to the, toward the back of the room. Uh, we've got counselors that would love to meet with you. So if you're here and you want to make a decision for Christ today, you want to make a decision before God today, Alan, there's, there's, there may, whether, whether there's trouble in your home, whether it's, everything's peachy, but I need a relationship with Jesus. Would you respond? Is there anyone? I need to make that decision. No looking around. This is a safe place. If there's anyone like to respond, you can do so now. The second way that we'd ask you to respond is through that digital connect card. If you would text North North Connect to 31996, we can connect with you. We would love to follow up with you this week. You can let us know on there that you made a decision today, and we'll follow up. We'll reach out to you. We'd love to do that. Love to do that through the course of next week. But don't leave this moment without making a decision for the Lord. God desires to do an amazing work through our family as we focus in on Him and His Holy Spirit that enables everything. Father, we thank You and we praise You for today. We love You. Pray that You'd be glorified and lifted up in our hearts, in this church. 
God, that you would receive glory. Lord, in this service and the services to come, God, I pray for one that needs you to respond to you. I pray they would do that. That as they leave today, they would find somebody they can talk to, that we can get them to somebody, uh, God, that they can let know about the decision they've made for you. Father, we love you and we praise you and we thank you for what you're doing in the life of this church. It's in Christ's name we pray.